Well, kia ora. It's uh, good to be here. Uh, just uh, amazing. I do want to pick up from uh, Aaron's wonderful message uh, last week. So useful and helpful. Yeah, really good job. So I am going to start on in John chapter 1 with the, the passage about Nathaniel. So let's pick it up from verse 43. The next day he purposed, he being Jesus, purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Two of the most important words in the whole Bible. Follow me. Now Philip was in Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Some translations say no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And there is so much in all of this. But what I want to pick up for this morning's message is this. What is it? That we come to see. Come to see what? What is it? And when we do come, what is it that we get to see or that we can see? Because see, this astounding, life-changing news is that God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And as a result, as a result, and, and Misty, great job and great illustration about the veil, the curtain, just just fantastic. As a result, God can't come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and life stay the same. It isn't possible. Anywhere the presence of God is, things happen, things change, things take place. It can't be a neutral event. So God comes to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ and life can never be the same again on planet earth from that point on. And see, one of the problems that we have in the past is that we've taken the doorway or the entrance to the kingdom of God, which is obviously salvation, and we've made it the end goal. And although salvation is good news, and it's a tragedy if it's not accepted because then we are sentenced to an eternity in hell, so obviously it is important But the problem is we made it the end goal rather than the beginning of something that should change our lives forever. See, when Nathaniel came to Jesus, Jesus didn't offer him salvation. He didn't talk to him about salvation and about, hey, this is the end goal. This is what you need. Jesus offered him the essence of entering into a life-giving relationship with somebody who knew him intensely, 
knew his past, knew his present, and obviously called him to his future. Somebody who had a plan for his life and the power to make it happen. This is what we call people to, brothers and sisters. This is what we're saying, come and see. See, what Jesus offers is what he is, the way, the truth, and the life. And it's a way of life that opens up the whole realm of truth. And through this truth, we discover what life is really all about. And what life are we talking about? We're talking about the new life, the resurrected life, the life that Jesus came to bring 2,000 years ago, making life on this planet never able to be the same again. See, let's go this a little bit deeper with John the Baptist. Because these words come up in the Gospels all the time. So Jesus is talking to the, the people and he said, when you went out to see John, what did you go out to see? Incredible question. A man dressed in soft clothing. Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out and see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. See, the people went out to see a prophet. Why do people go out to see a prophet? Well, some are probably just curious. And when we read about John and how he was dressed and the things he did, uh, that would attract a lot of attention. But people go out to see a prophet, and they were so conscious of this back in those times. And probably with the turnaround spiritually now, people are conscious of it again today. They're hoping they can get a word or some insight or something that brings some hope to their life. Something that brings some purpose to their life. Something that might mean some things that they are going through to have some meaning. Because they go to a prophet thinking the prophet is in touch with some spiritual supernatural realm somewhere and will have some insight or something for them. And Jesus accepts that this is an estimate of John. But he says, no, you haven't gone far enough and why you should have gone out to see John. There's more to John than just this. And what Jesus is demonstrating, and he talks about John being Elijah, and I don't have time to pursue all of that now. But what Jesus is demonstrating is John was the forerunner to the coming of the king. He said, this is why you should go after John. What is it you're going to get from John? You're going to get the forerunner, the foundation, the pointing to the coming of the king. And here's what was so exciting at the time. The king was already there. And he's already here. And as Misty says, he's everywhere we go. He's with us. So John doesn't call people to repent for the sake of it. John is saying, you repent because the kingdom of God has come. He, because the kingdom's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he is now amongst us. And John's saying, to enter this, you have to get a ticket. But listen, if you get a ticket to the rugby match or the Olympic Games or whatever it is, the prize is not the ticket. We get very excited. I've got a ticket. Fantastic. What have you got a ticket to? Don't worry about that. Just look at, look, I've got a ticket. 
That's not the issue. The ticket means we can now go and be part of an event. That's what becomes exciting. Now, again, I'm cautious. I'm not minimizing salvation for all the reasons we know. But what I'm saying, it is a ticket to the event. And we have got to get excited, not just being saved and the fact that our names are written in the book of life. That is wonderful. But we, on this planet, in this lifetime, can now join an event with the king. That's what we call people to come and see. Come and see an event. Now, to be part of the event, you have to repent. And you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that's fantastic, and you do get eternal life. But brothers and sisters, that's not what the Scriptures are about. They're about the kingdom of God and how we get into it and then what should happen when we join it. Because it's an event that is going on. It's not futuristic. Sure, it goes on for eternity, but it's an event that is we're called into that's happening now. It's happening now. And we want people to come and be part of that event. See, when people come, why do people come to meet Jesus? They come to meet Jesus and he'll make them great. Great at what? Great at doing life. That's what Jesus is working on with you and me. He's making us great at doing life. The ability to make a great fist of life. And this goes so deep, even to the point that we bring every circumstances of life, even the most horrible or difficult things that might happen to us or around us, and we see that they can all be turned into something meaningful and ultimately for our own betterment and also for the betterment of the kingdom of God. No one else offers this. No other religion offers this because they can't. They can't. Only Jesus can make every part of life redemptive. Only Jesus can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. That can't be done in any other way. See, let's pick up on the Sermon of the Mountain. Time's short, so I'm only going to pick up on one verse. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's so important that we understand what Jesus is saying here. So listen to me, everybody. The poor are not blessed for being poor. Poverty is not a blessing. The poor are only blessed when their lives can be changed. If you don't believe me, go and ask people living in cars or under bridges on cold nights in Wellington weather, do they feel blessed? Ask them. I know what they're going to tell you because I've talked to these people. They're going to say, no, not at all. The problem is there is nothing I can do to change it. There's nothing I can do to change my circumstances. But Aaron shared with us last week, the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ is that it changes 
people's lives. So when David says at the end of his life in Psalm 37, I have seen many things in my life, and you study the life of David and you can say amen to that. But here's what he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging bread. Now listen to me. If somebody is living under a bridge or under a car and they accept the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't have his sons and his daughters living under bridges or living in cars because as David said, he's never seen the righteous forsaken. How do we become righteous? Not through our own acts, not through suddenly changing our lives and getting off the alcohol and being a good citizen. They're all good things to do. We, we become righteous by being in Jesus Christ. And if we accept Jesus Christ somehow, some way, and he's got all the resources in the world at his disposal, and if he doesn't have them, he will create them, somehow he'll get them out from under the bridge. And he'll get them out from living in a car. And he'll find a place for them. He promises his sons and daughters food and shelter at a minimum. Now, I know we, of God's people, have got an obligation in that. And a couple of weeks ago on the story, let's reach out to those people and do what the Holy Spirit enables and calls us to do. So I know it goes wider than that. But this is the point I'm saying. Come to Jesus and now the power for a changed life comes upon you and is invested within you, not in your own strength, but the power of the living God who has all the resources at his disposal in the world. For what? For an expression of the kingdom of God through his people. We call people to come and see. What do we call them to come and see? The things that they feel totally trapped by or defeated by can be changed. And if God doesn't change them, he will give us the grace to accept them so they will still be redemptive in our everyday life. See, a whole new era dawned 2,000 years ago. And anyone who decides to be part of it by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can truly live a life uncommon, filled with purpose right here, right now, in this present age. And I've shared this before out of the story of the wedding in John. Jesus didn't say you've saved, the, the, sorry, the people at the wedding didn't say You've saved the best wine till last. What did they say? You've saved the best wine till when? Now. You'll get 150 different Bible translations on the computer that it would be accepted as probably goes on forever. Do you know what? Every one of them translates that word now. Not one of them uses the word last, and I've been through them looking to find out. I have saved the best wine till now. Your life now. Now, I know it's easy to speak from a life of being well-fed and sheltered and everything going well. But listen, guys, we can trust the faithfulness of God even when things go against us, we lose our job, someone who we love dies, our house gets burnt down, whatever those things happen. And there are people in this congregation today, including myself, that have experienced some of those things. And if you talk to them and sit down, they will tell you how God brought beauty from the ashes. 
and testify to that. That is the power and the life that we're calling people to when we say come and see. We're not saying you're a rotten sinner and you're going to hell, so come now and you can go to heaven. That is not the gospel. The gospel is come and have a changed life today. Matthew, and I'm finishing, Matthew 24, 14 says this. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, the Greek word used here for testimony is maturian. Don't quote me on my pronunciation. I don't speak or know Greek. But what we are calling people to come and see is a testimony or a demonstration of the kingdom of God. And in us, you and me, The world should be able to watch the way we do family, how we work, how we relate to one another and how we steward our time and our possessions and how we face difficult times and how we support one another. And they should see that in every one of those things in our life, there's a sense of destiny and purpose about us. Even in the mundane things of life, like putting out the garbage, We approach them with a sense of purpose because we are about our father's business and his business as a demonstration of who he is in every arena of life. Now, I want to say this as I get down to the end of it. Words are very important. But every word's already been spoken. It's all over the internet. It's everywhere you want to go. Everyone's espousing their own worldview or philosophy about life and everything else that goes with us. What the world needs most today, brothers and sisters, is a demonstration. They want to see it. Not the theories, the demonstration. And we are royal priests. We are a holy nation. We are a people who have been called out and commissioned by God to bring a demonstration of what this life, this life that can never be the same again, is all about and what does it mean. And see, you might say, well, don't look at me. I'm not perfect. We've already talked about it and on shared in the worship this morning. Being perfect is not a requirement. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. But listen, and I know so many of you so well here. If I go around to each one of you individually and say, are you perfect? You're, always, you're all going to say no. But if I say, well, since you've come to know Jesus, have things changed in your life? And you're all going to say, my gosh, yes. What changed in your life? Changed in your life that Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit came to live within you. And listen to this. Whenever his light shines inside of us, it brings change and transformation. But here's the good news. It also shines out. Do you know statistically who leads the most people to Christ? Brand new Christians. Now, that's a long way from being perfect. I'm very different today than I was 36 years ago when I met the Lord. Brand new, and there's a lot of reasons for this, and I'm not going into this, and you can play games with statistics, and I'm aware of that, but brand new Christians make the most converts. And people see this light that's suddenly gone into them and suddenly changed their lives start to shine out. 
and they say, my gosh, what is happening to you? You don't have to be perfect, but others can see the difference of what Jesus is doing in your life. Even if you've been a Christian for 50 years, the light shining. See, we have some great events coming up. We've talked about them this morning. We've got XL next Sunday. We've got the uh, spring celebration coming up, and, and they're just a start. These are great opportunities to bring friends and family and workmates and everybody along and show them why we feel life is so worth celebrating. Now, we can promise you as leaders that these things will be done with a high standard of excellence. And you don't have to be ashamed to bring along your friends and people and everything. They're going to be fantastic events. A huge amount of work, time, effort, prayer has been put into them. They will be entertaining and life-giving and fun. And they'll contribute well to your journey with anyone you're on who doesn't know Jesus yet. But I want to finish with this. Jesus is not an event. He is the event. Jesus is not an event. We're going to put on some great events that are coming up. But Jesus is more than the event, more than an event. He is the event. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's with great confidence that you can bring people to something far greater than the event they will experience on the day. You're bringing them into contact with the King of Kings and you're bringing them into contact with the people of the King of Kings. And we can do this with much confidence. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we are called to the event of life the kingdom of God, that you did indeed rent the veil. You tore it from the top to the bottom. And Father, as much as that allowed us to come into your presence, it has also allowed you to come out into ours. And the world has never been the same since. May we stay focused, Lord, on what this life right now, right in the here and now is about. May we celebrate it with great joy and may that affect everybody that we're working with and we're in relationship with. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.